I love that question. And <laughs> I, thought about it, I thought about it for a little bit here, and and it just all coalesced around the word attribution. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for, well, you decide. As you're probably asking yourself, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your monthly dose of marketing street knowledge. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or rockstarcmo on Twitter and LinkedIn. And you can also find all the past episodes of this show and the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. This episode was recorded on Friday the 16th of October. Thank you for joining me and my guests on our little show. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you are well and are staying as safe and as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, I have a thought. I chat to Grant Johnson, CMO of Emburst. And again, I retire to the virtual Rockstar CMO bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a chat. Right, let's get started, shall we? This week, I'm not dipping into the page of Rockstar CMO, although obviously I would recommend you do so. There's some excellent stuff over there. I just want to share a quick thought, something I observed this week as I'm keen to get on with the interviews, as I have two excellent conversations to share with you. Obviously, my contribution is terrible. The guests are excellent. Once upon a time, I was heavily into reading blogs via my trusty RSS reader, Google Reader. Checking in on over 100 or so feeds I'd collected on content management and marketing over the years. It was part of my morning routine that's been replaced with checking in on LinkedIn and Twitter these days. Of course, my reader wasn't so trusty. Google killed it, as Google tends to do. And there's a lesson there, of course, maybe for another episode. And I tried various other readers, settling on Newsblur, and my routine continued until I drifted away from the habit. This week, not content with how the social media algorithm decides what I'm interested in, I resurrected this routine, curious if RSS was still where it's at. It seems it's been a few years since I opened Newsblur, and as it updated itself with all the latest posts, I was delighted to reconnect with blogs I'd not read for a while. But what stood out to me was that almost half lie dormant or had gone. So my thought this week, well, of course, there are great reasons to stop stuff and to be focused. And maybe I'm not down with the cool kids by using RSS for this. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. But it seems just keeping going, showing up, as Seth Godin describes it, will differentiate you. As many of the people competing for your audience's attention will be stopping. Now, I'm not Gary Vee or Seth, and I'm reluctant to pile in on the, you know, hustle bollocks. But in this crazy year, I thought I'd share what I found to be encouraging. If you kept going, kept showing up, you've done a thing. And you might be a regular part of somebody's day. This is a hack tip to you. Right, I think that's quite enough from me. On to the interview. 
Grant Johnson is a serial CMO, currently the CMO of Embers. He's held the top marketing job in a string of B2B companies, including Kofax, Pegasystems, SDL and Farnet, after, as you'll hear, starting out with Toshiba. Grant is a former boss of mine and gave me my first opportunity to develop this crazy idea I had for creating content marketing and strategy function within a business almost 10 years ago. As I've said before, this podcast gives me a great excuse to talk to interesting people, but also old friends. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Grant. Uh, Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. Thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Ian. Great to get connected again. Yeah, no, it's good. It's been a few years. It really has been a few years. So for people um, that are listening to the podcast and don't know you, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, Ian, I grew up in L.A., and like a lot of kids in that environment, I was captivated by film. There's Mm -hmm. something magical about getting transported via sight, sound, and motion into this temporal world that uh, is known as uh, the movie-going experience. Um, And so naturally, I wanted to become a movie director (laughs) growing up Mm -hmm. in L.A. But, uh, you know, when I discovered marketing, I discovered you had a lot of liberty to make stuff up. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I kind of jumped in and I, and I, I never looked back. Um, you know, and I'm not working. I, I love to spend time with the family and mm-hmm. COVID times. It's a lot of time. <laughs> uh, true. I, I've got uh, three kids at home and two or would have been at college this uh, yeah. second year. And yeah. so, uh, you know, if I'm not on zoom calls, I'm hanging out with the family or, um, yeah. you might recall, I still play competitive tennis on the weekend. Yeah. I remember keeps the mind and body active and uh it's a humbling experience but uh it's yeah you're on the west coast right whereabouts are you i'm in uh southern california mission viejo it's south of Mm -hmm. los angeles about an hour uh Mm -hmm. really nice nice climate um although as you've seen uh, we've had some crazy fires and yeah other uh, uh things happening in this climate change world yeah yeah, and and you just mentioned that um, the pandemic. And sorry, I should ask you. You say so you're now the CMO of Embers, right? Correct. So, yeah. And what, who, what do Embers do? Who are the, these guys? Yeah, we actually formed the company. It was seven companies um, uh, coming together over the last year. I joined November of 2019, and we launched the name Embers and the company, a new brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've done before, but this is a, a bit of a unique situation, bringing together seven different operating units. Yeah. Inverse on January 16th of this year. And at Inverse, we help uh, make our uh, users' lives and their businesses better. We transform mm-hmm. how organizations manage expenses, mm-hmm. invoices, and payments. And our mission is to humanize work by automating the manual tasks that save, so that so we save users time, and we can focus on what matters most, uh, whether that's uh, their community, uh, their family, of more rewarding work than doing expense yeah. reports. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, we give CFOs uh, the ability to make their employees' lives easier, you know, help them with their work-life balance so they can yeah. spend more time not on, you know, invoice processing and manual tasks, but uh, yeah. help it increase yeah. visibility into expenses and, and invoices and, simplify mm-hmm. payments and uh, it's a pretty uh, sizable company uh, we are mm-hmm. privately held but mm-hmm. we're, you know uh, uh, large enough to have 14,000 clients and four and a half million users around wow. the, around the globe 
Uh, mm. Principally in North America, though we have pretty good presence in Europe as well. Yeah, wow. I mean, as uh, as I run my own little agency and I spend too much of my time doing expenses and tax returns and stuff, uh, which was, I think, my Saturday this week. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like music to my ears. It might it might be the humdrum stuff, but it certainly makes your life better when it goes well. So so that sounds cool. Well, yeah, and, you can and, just take this device here. You know, any smart. Yeah. Uh, a device of yeah use your iphone ipad android and yeah. snap a picture upload the receipt it gets automatically oh, loaded into the report and, uh, set. Yeah. and next thing you know you get uh, electronic uh, payment of mm-hmm. your report so we'll see if oh. we can help you out <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect and um, and then you just mentioned the fact that you're a, a global organization we've already touched on some of the challenges uh, that 2020 has thrown at us particularly you guys in california but the, the pandemic specifically have you seen that change the way you've been able to work with your global team and also how what feedback are you getting back from your customers about how their relationship with their customers has changed yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take that at, like the two parts and just you know start mm-hmm. with the first party and the uh, one of the reasons I joined this it's it's great to have been CMO for now twelve years and mm-hmm. you know, this stage in my career uh, uh, I I really look at not just the opportunity which was very exciting early on which is the culture and the management mm-hmm. team and we're very we're very people focused we're very empathetic culture uh, mm-hmm. we actually came up I was part of coming up with the what we call our core values called see it, sympathy, mm-hmm. empathy, empowerment, uh, individuality, and teamwork. And it's really come to the fore, mm-hmm. our people focus during this pandemic. So we, you know, we first and foremost, health and well-being of our, our employees. So everybody was like the first opportunity, you know, work from home, work virtually. We already had Zoom and mm-hmm. we were a global, you know, culture, a lot of dispersed workforces eight yeah. office locations around the globe and uh, but you know we've had certain areas like spain we have three offices and as you know like you know maybe mm. not as italy but they had one of the earlier mm-hmm. more uh, uh uh pervasive you know pandemic impacts mm-hmm. and so uh they had to kind of almost i mean they did shut down in fact you know we, we were expanding further into italy we had to stop that um but we also focus on you know making sure our customers are accommodated and uh, giving back to the community. It's part of our mission to help the disadvantaged. So we have initiatives going on there. The other thing yeah. that I've noticed, and, and probably a lot of the other folks you've had uh, talk with on, 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 the, on the podcast, Ian, is that you really have to make extra effort to stay connected. You That's know, the work uh, at home, the other thing is to work from home, as your mm-hmm. last guest mentioned, one of your free, recent guests. And you know, you have to make sure you take time to connect on a personal level. Everything's not just, you know, Zoom and digital. You know, how do you, mm-hmm. you can pick up the phone still? Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we've, uh, we've worked on that carbon time. The other thing we've worked on is we have like a lot of, you know, modern progressive companies. We have an unlimited PTO. It sounds great in theory, mm-hmm. but you know, we have a lot of dedicated folks that they won't, they won't take that holiday. <laughs> <Yeah, it's like, laughs> you know, like you're not accruing anything. You're not going to get, you know, there's, yeah. But so, hey, so the other thing we did, which actually was kind of given permission, we came up with this idea. We've got a lot of interesting, we've got a lot of musicians. We've got our own bad band. We call the Bad Receipts. It's, you know, it's, there's kind of YouTube thing going on. And it's nice. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. A lot of them are uh, from the UK, quite frankly. A lot of good musicians over there. But sure. we, uh, we have an unplugged day. And so it's a designated day. We pick a Friday and a Monday. We've been doing these like every, you know, other month, every mm-hmm. six weeks. 
And because we want to still serve customers and, you know, have sales and operations going, you know, it's not always only on a Friday or only a Monday, but it gives yeah. people an extended weekend and, you know, yeah. go climbing, you know, go to the, the beach if you're nearby, you know, recover yeah. your balance and recharge. And so that's yeah. really helped with our culture. Um, uh, far, yeah. So that's kind of pretty cool. As far as, um, you know, our mission is to humanize work and mm-hmm. uh, make sure our customers uh, can get through this. So we've done a lot of things to try to accommodate that. And uh, uh, if you think about the whole in-person event world, the yeah. great news is my budget cut was really easy because, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's cut back. Great. All these physical events are canceled. So there's a half million plus. So, but we went virtual. It takes, you know, it takes as much work to pull off virtual. Yeah, and we found that uh, with all these events canceled, we had projected, let's say a hundred people per city. We're, yeah. We've achieved double the attendance virtually. And it's great to see our customers. Wow. Yeah, it's great that, well, partly because they don't have to travel, right? And so I guess yeah, I, yeah. And we do it for four hours, you know, two to four yeah. hours. We're not doing an all-day event like we used to do. And so yeah. people can schedule it in. It's, of course, it's recorded and all that good stuff. And mm-hmm. we found that with all the innovation we're doing, we have seven contributing business units. So there's kind of a new release almost every week for something. Yeah. That yeah. customers excited about that. They like to hear of how other customers are dealing We've yeah. come up with some things like virtualizing financial operations. Okay, you got to pay people, you got to support them working at home. How do you mm-hmm. do that? Right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to bring in their stapled expense report. <laughs> so that's uh, that's been good. And then mm-hmm. you know, from a prospect perspective, again, like a lot of my peers, uh, mm-hmm. I'm on a couple of peer groups. The uh, you find out that. You've got to find new ways. These people that use, I used to call it intercept marketing. They're walking a trade show floor. They see your mm-hmm. group. Kind of, they like your messaging. You get a demo. And next thing you know, they're early enough in their exploration decision buyer mm-hmm. journey that they, they they talk to you. Can't, you get, don't have that happen. So how do you get to them? So yeah. we've done a lot of the review sites, you know, the G2 Captera. We've mm-hmm. done a lot of the intent based. We find those pretty successful, like, you know, based on search criteria. Mm-hmm. So customers are looking for, if we're in that consideration, then, we can get uh, some additional opportunities. So we've just had to be, uh, you know, creative and uh, find ways to engage and connect with, you know, customers and prospects. Yeah, and it sounds like it's working. I mean, virtual selling is that is has been around for for a while, right? In the in the you know, peop, um, there's a lot of um, stats from Gartner and, and and Forrester about how much people are engaging with the organization before you meet a sales guy. Whereas when we've been inside the vendor, you you don't particularly see that but we've been forced to see that now haven't we We've been forced to virtually sell we have been i i got i got a great anecdote on the all hands call for our sales team and i won't mention the competitor's name people might deduce it if they know our space but (laughs) multi hundred thousand dollar deal we closed this past quarter and you know when you can't fly to the client and meet them you know that's the reality they can't fly and meet you and so you have to do virtual selling as you say ian and but we and we uh, requested and the, and the customer, uh, you know, liked the idea that we did all the discussions via some video um, call. Uh, and so they got to know us, our personalities and, and yeah. so forth. And our competitor, they never were on camera. And it was so, wow. interesting you know, we had this mission, you and I's work. And mm-hmm. we just think we're, you know, we're very people centric in our approach to our business, mm-hmm. and our customers. And that just stood out to the customer that, gosh, these guys are so impersonal. And I think that was one of the strongest intangibles in virtual selling is find a way to connect 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because um, when when you do talk to somebody with the, with the video on, and, and I know that I'm not recording video and we're having a conversation and the video's on, it's it's very different to when you're only dealing with audio, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You can, you know, you yeah. can't read body language as well as in person. You know, somebody leaning, yeah, yeah. Their eyes are rolling. But yeah, it yeah. it makes a difference. And so, yeah, we're working on yeah ways to stay connected in this virtual yeah. world. Yeah, no, that's really, and I, I love the thoroughness of your response. I think there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, but you also touched on the fact that you've been a CMO for quite uh, quite a while. I don't want to. <laughs> date you or anything like that but you, I'm you've been I'm okay this I'm is proud yeah <laughs> this is definitely not your first rodeo and you've worked for companies like Toshiba, Symantec, FileNet, we met SDL, Kofax um what inspired you you talked talked about um you wanted to be you wanted to produce films and that's what got you into marketing what sustained that that love of marketing and and what was the early what what were the early opportunities that you had there and, and how did that start yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Ian. I I never intended to go into marketing. I was a liberal arts major in political science. I, I yeah. uh, travel the world, and which I've done quite a bit. I've lived in Europe a couple times, and mm-hmm. um, but I was at this small company. You know, the first company that hired me out of college, and it was kind of cool. They had a rotational assignment. So, okay, you can spend some time in, in operations and finance and uh, customer service and sales and marketing. And when I one of the marketing tour they had for a company that was only 10 million and maybe 125 employees something like that yeah um they had this really bright creative director you know he's he's visually smart uh had really could do the turn of the phrase and you know we produced yeah. i thought compelling materials uh at the time yeah. and so i just got inspired by that i said this is pretty cool so let me try this marketing thing and then ultimately uh, as you've noted, I made this shift. I got an MBA like a lot of folks do. And somebody who had yeah. gone to Pepperdine, you know, liked my Pepperdine. It's a California uni- private university. And yeah. took a chance on me. I think part of your career, we'll talk about it. you got to get a break or two. Yeah. So I got into the big leagues, you know, if, if you will. And um, then it was really a case of, you know, how do you find uh, a way to contribute more to the organization and mm-hmm. I just love the dynamic nature. You know, I'm, I'm a very analytical marketer. I think, I think you know, mm-hmm. I like data and the internet yeah. and analytics and all the big data things really help us yeah. with that. But you still yeah. have to have an intuitive sense, right? And so yeah. that's what's a great combination. You know, I've, I've said before, if you don't like the financial results, too bad. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like the marketing campaign, come up with a new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I really like that. And is that um, is that the advice you'd give to marketers? What, what advice today would you give to, to marketers that want to emulate the sort of career that you've had and sustain that in marketing? Get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm partially serious about that, Ian, because I think yeah. part of it is, you know, you have to be intentional about your career. I was recently yeah. talking to one of my former colleagues I can't mention the company because they might guess who it is. And, <laughs> and you know, he's been there 10 years. And he said, yeah. you know, I really admire, like, you know, your career path. And I was intentional. I can say I had some good breaks, but I, yeah. I thought about, okay, so how do I go from A to B? And how do I go yeah. from manager, director to VP to CMO? And, and I think I, I sort of had that intent. But the other thing I think is really important, and I learned this probably in my 20s, Mm-hmm. which is don't get hung up on what you get paid. It's sort of hard to say that. And when you live in a major city and you're struggling to get, yeah, true. You know, important. I get that. And I empathize with it, but 
look yeah. at the value you create. And just it's a mm-hmm. just different way of turning the thought process. If you can bring yeah. more value, yeah. the organization will want you to do more. And therefore, yeah. you'll be in a good position uh, yeah. for that next opportunity, whether hopefully it's within your company or some other company, and mm-hmm. it will sort of pave the way. And you mm-hmm. also the other key attribute, I would say, is you know not only maintaining focus, but you have to be um, uh, open-minded and you have to embrace change. This mm-hmm. year has been the most cataclysmic mm-hmm. in our, uh, all mm-hmm. of our lives, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know the ability to adapt. I, I've always tried to build uh, dynamic marketing teams that have a really good ability to seize the new technologies and yeah. ways of engaging and you know growing customers. And yeah. but you, it's a mindset as much as anything else. And so having mm-hmm. that mindset is continually learning, continually growing. Yeah. I think really sets you up for career growth. But I think overall, being yeah. intentional about where you want to get to is going to increase your odds of arriving. Yeah, no, I agree with that. As somebody who who completely did not do that, <laughs> I, I've always um, I always respect people that have, have have got to where they are because that's where they that's where they intended to be. I mean, um, you, you kind of um, yeah. I mean, we worked together, and you, you gave me gave me my my breaking to content marketing, and I, I you know that was that was something where my my career took a change. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. Being intentional, and I also like the idea of adding value as well, focusing on the value that you can add because the compensation comes with that, doesn't it? If 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 you worry too much about your title or how much you're getting paid, that's no that's no value to your boss, is it? It's it's actually what you're what you're contributing. Well, that's exactly right. And, and I, I was at this point in my career in my uh, early 30s, and uh, I was at uh, one of the companies, not as well known today, Samsung, what I'm called AST Computer, but yeah. we were growing from a billion to two billion. It was a pretty sizable computer operation. At one point, we were number five in the world. I've mostly been in software this whole century, but yeah. in the yeah. 90s, I was at this computer company. Yeah. And this 38 year old was designated the president. I thought, wow, you know, 38 years old. Yeah, you know, president of a two billion dollar company, and I said, uh, I said, I said, Jim, how did how did you get there? I'm just because I'm at a director level, and kind of, yeah. kind of getting to your levels like somewhere in the horizon. It may never yeah. happen. Like maybe maybe running marketing would be a good idea. And he said, you know, Grant, I, I as I was growing in my career here at mm-hmm. AFC Computer, and I was, uh, I would look around and say, what are we not doing? What could we do? What are yeah. other companies doing? And I said, let's make that happen. I didn't yeah, actually yeah. do the work. But I, I marshaled the resources. And so he demonstrated yeah. this leadership quality that I think set him up for progressive mm. responsibilities. You know, we went from head of sales in the U.S. and then head of sales Europe and sales and service and eventually became president. And yeah. I always remember that. And, you know, it's advice I've given to others on my team. It's a lot of them will come and say, you know, we got everything done. I said, OK, but what haven't we done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, that's really good advice. It's really good advice. And also, um, I'd love to, I mean, the time's ticking away, but I'd love to explore more about, um, uh, I've had conversations about why the CMO doesn't become the CEO. And I think sometimes it's because we don't have that commercial impact on the business that the head of sales has or or the people in the commercial roles. Um, But if I go back, you just mentioned the fact that your career has been B2B primarily in in software and hardware. Um, What do you think is the secret to to good B2B marketing? compared to say b2c what do you think we need to focus on as b2b marketers yeah you know interesting enough i i actually learned a lot about both b2b uh and uh, b2c when i was at toshiba because we we sold the businesses but we also sold the consumers and yeah. 
I launched this uh, consumer notebook uh, for consumer small business called Satellite. Set up mm-hmm. an satellite office way back in the early days of connectivity. Yeah. Um, and we had a sizable marketing budget, Ian. So yeah. I was fortunate that we had a really good agency. We had Shia Day. They were up in LA. They'd been uh, out with the agency during the, yeah. you know, uh, why 1984 won't be like 1984. And I'm sure this predates some of your listeners. So I'm dating myself. <laughs> I was around in 1984. That's okay. Um, but they I had, had a Toshiba Satellite Pro at one point, I think. Yeah, exactly. It launched into space somewhere. But what was interesting, they had a very simple test of effective communications. Mm-hmm. And I love simplicity. Um, and it was be relevant and distinct. And if you remember the dot-com days that we all suffered through, you could launch a gerbil from a cannon on a TV commercial for the Super Bowl. And that was like real interesting, but it really wasn't. It didn't amount yeah. to anything. And so I, it's a simple test. I've kept that as well. Anybody can be be distinct, but being relevant. And today, you know, there's all this one-to-one communication and personalization. And obviously you're a content, one of the top experts in that. And you know, if you don't connect, it's not whether it's snackable or it's, you know, it's written or video or audio, whatever. And so that was really helpful. The other thing that I think for B2B marketing, and I heard this over the last several years, I talked to, you know, Mm -hmm. about opportunities with other CMOs or a recruiter. And they'd say, I yeah. want a full stack marketer. So, so what do you mean? That's an intro. What do you mean by a full stack? Well, yeah. in the past, like if you were good at brand and communications or if you're good at product marketing, yeah. it's enough. But now yeah. the dream is you've got to be good at everything. And yeah. so I the way I look at it is there's like four levers. There could be mm-hmm. more. What's called the four levers you have as a CMO is you've got to have really effective demand gen and digital. So mm-hmm. that's a lever to driving, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pipeline and, and, you know, revenue contribution. And you've got to have product marketing, Really, yeah. I call it portfolio marketing, all yeah. of them, pricing, positioning, packaging, promotion. Yeah. Uh, you've got to have strong, I call it strategic communications, you know, mm-hmm. influencer management, PR, uh, social, all that good stuff. And you've got to have great uh, operations. That's sort of the fourth level. And with mm-hmm. the tech stack today, it's just, my head wants to expose sometime yet another <laughs> solution, another way to yeah. optimize my website. But, you know, you yeah. have to figure out what works, what doesn't work. You know, yeah. be agile, be iterative, try things mm. out. If it works, great. You know, if it doesn't, stop mm. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's really key is just to maintain yeah. that. And then lastly is, while you can do everything, you can't do everything. Yeah. So I really focus on hiring uh, people like Jeff Clark that we both know. Yeah. Talented people that, you know, want to step up, want to produce results, um, mm. want to be measured, right? Yeah. Want to set yeah. higher bars. And that way I yeah. can focus on, you know, the more strategic contribution of marketer. It's so easy to get buried as all of us can in yeah. the day, but you've got to, to add more value. Again, that theme to the organization, I'm asking the CEO, what else can I do? Right. Yeah. They know I'm doing my job. How can I add more value? Even today I asked that question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. I really like the relevant and distinct that just, I mean, with all the buzzwords and bullshit that we're exposed to all the time, just those two words, just so, so neatly described. Uh, what we need to do as marketers. I mean, I, I talk about um, awareness, revenue, revenue and growth, but, uh, re- uh, sorry, awareness, revenue and trust, because I think we need to align ourselves to, to some corporate goals. But 
being being relevant and distinct, man. That's that's that content marketing right there. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that completely. Be inspired by that, not for the first time, Grant either. And um, now that that's that's fantastic. There's so, so much good stuff in there. And I'm gonna move to. I just used the word bullshit. I'm gonna move to my final question. And um, here on the Rockstar CMO, we have uh, a swimming pool. Uh, where we throw all the bullshit snake oil and stuff we don't like about our wonderful craft. Uh, it's our portal to hell. What would you throw into our portal to hell? I, I love that question. And <laughs> I, thought about it, I thought about it for a little bit here, and and it just all coalesced around the word attribution. <laughs> and I, I love it. Nightmare conversations I had at the company prior to SPL. Mm-hmm. Where you know we we uh, had uh, noted a multi million dollar deal that you know marketing had touched twenty seven times you know email yeah. webinar website download yeah. you know yeah. physical yeah. you name it and the yeah. CEO said no no marketing doesn't get credit I met the uh, CIO three years ago <laughs> so you don't you can't attribute that to marketing because. Right. If it weren't for him, we would never got the deal. And so I realized at that point it was an epiphany. You know, yeah. there's a lot of epiphanies. I think at some point I'll do a lessons learned working for, you know, strong CEOs because yeah. that's probably worthwhile. But and yeah. I'm not going to fight this battle. I, I'm not going to yeah. win against a billionaire. I mean, this guy's a billionaire, billionaire CEO. So yeah. I've shifted the conversation from attribution to contribution. Yeah. And so, you know, we, you know, we've signed up and we're delivering more than 50% uh, contribution. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. adverse together with the BDRs, which qualify all leads. So we work in, in an integral fashion with them and yeah. obviously with sales and partners. Yeah. Um, and contribution works much better. And in, in, you know, circling back to a theme I mentioned earlier and how I pick mm-hmm. companies, I love, I love our CEO. We're friends. He's a great guy. I get along with yeah. him well. He, yeah. he, he, he believes in marketing and he says marketing nice. is everything. He so he doesn't want to have an argument about attribution. He says it's like nonsense. He said, yeah. you know, you've got AR, you got PR, you got web, you know, you, you've yeah. got webinars, yeah. and yeah. so. But contribution is the more important thing, and yeah. and, and focusing on contribution, it's a it's a uh, it's a fool's errand to try to you know mm-hmm. stand up in front of a group. Somebody's going to shoot you down, and it doesn't feel good. Could be the CFO. Yeah. They're going to say yeah. nonsense. What's the ROI of X, Y, yeah. or Z? And so yeah. focus on contribution, you know, whether it's a small, medium or large, if you, if you yeah. can measure the contribution, the influence on the pipe, moving yeah. the, an opportunity through the funnel, helping, helping sales close. You don't have to actually say I was, a, we were yeah. why it happened because yeah, yeah. the other thing I've learned is you, you win or fail together. And so I, I lock yeah. our CRO and say, look, if you guys make the quarter, we win. We could do yeah. everything great. And you guys don't make the quarter. We can't feel yeah. good. So yeah, I yeah. Think that sort of uniting uh, arms and uh, mm-hmm. you know, find the outcomes to mutual success is, is important. Yeah, that's incredibly important. And that is, um, you know, I hear that advice a lot. And we talk about that a lot here is, is about the, the fact that marketing isn't just some sort of hamster wheel activity that goes on. You have to be locked into growth. Otherwise, you get replaced by the chief growth officer, which is what we've seen right in our in our craft. So yeah, I mean, that's that's a brilliant way to leave it. And I love that. Again, you know, we've gotten some really nice um, pithy advice here. So it um, so the the distinct and um, and relevant, and then we need to contribute to that. So I, I love these keywords that we can pick out from this conversation it's really good well thank you very much for your time grant i know that you're a very busy man and thank you for sparing half an hour with us 
Um, where can people find you if they want to hear more about what you think? Well, they can uh, find me at Granty Johnson one at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the the best way. Uh, we're uh, yeah. our company is going. I'm going to be hosting a podcast that we're going to do, but it's kind of a splendid, uh, you know, modest start to really just make some of our uh, yeah. you know customers more available to other customers type thing. But yeah, uh, LinkedIn's probably the best way. Yeah. Uh, it's great catching up and talk with you, and uh, really yeah. enjoyed our conversation, Ian. All right, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to Embers as well, which sounds like it makes people's lives much easier, and I'm, I'm all in favor of that. So thank you very much for that, Grant. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll uh, talk again soon. We will indeed. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Right, take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Grant. So much to pick up on there. I'll definitely be stealing some of that good stuff. Right, it's Friday evening here at the Rockstar CMO Penthouse in London. Time to round off the week with a cocktail in the virtual Rockstar CMO bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. You know, funny that you should meet me here. Um, I know. I was bar. just passing. I'm, I'm on my way home. It's almost <laughs> like this is a regular segment or something. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, tonight, mm-hmm. you know, I have to tell you, I am so sick of politics. I, I am. Really? I, oh, my God. It, <laughs> as we approach the election here and the debates, <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. tired of all of it. Um, so tonight I have what I'm drinking calling. So are you familiar with the concept of the in and out burger? Yes, absolutely. I lived in the U.S. for a while. They're, they're famous. All right. So for those in your European audience that may mm-hmm. not know, the in and out burger is a very, very famous hamburger joint here in the U.S., primarily and started here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have what they call the double double. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it's double everything on a hamburger. Um, it's you know, it's you know, hey, hashtag America. So <laughs> I was gonna say that's the way we roll here. Um, and so this, I'm calling the double double because mm-hmm. I could use it to, tonight um, with all this politics here. And it's basically a very simple drink. Um, I think Ooh. you're probably going to be able to do this in your bar. It wow. is literally a double shot of whatever your favorite liquor is. And of course, mine is tequila. So mm-hmm. it's literally two shots uh, of tequila. Um, in, and by the way, but two shots in two glasses. So there's your double double. Right. Um, right. So, so two shots in two glasses. So you end up with four shots there and just okay. a little pinch of salt in there just for taking it down and maybe maybe a squeeze of lime if you're if you're you know if you're uh, if you're really ambitious but basically just straight up you know what Sim- I mean? just double simple double. is good let me let me see what i've got here so um all right so you said my favorite liquor that i can use well i'm gonna go for the closest because that's all i've got on my desk and that is some hendrix gin how about ah that? yes Right, I, so I don't have a measure actually. I just have the bottle here and a like, yeah, just, glass. Yeah, just pour until the glass a is bit. half full, pretty much. Oh, there you go. Splendid. And um, because of the nature of this program, and uh, I don't want to disappoint the listeners, I am going to have to put ice in that. Yeah, oh, well, you can put some ice in there if you want. Yeah. And, of course, 
some tonic. <laughs> well, I think you could skip the tonic this week, my friend. But you know, I mean, do what you need to do. <laughs> I, I I replace salt with tonic. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. I only did. I, I only put a tiny pinch of tonic in it, though. If that's yeah. All right. Good. All right. I mean, Ooh. you could have gone with the martini, but you know. Oh my gosh, that's um, that's quite a lot of gin. Yes, that's very nice. Very nice. And and. <laughs> And you, and will, you will you will you will redouble your efforts on the very nice after you've had the first one, and then yes. the second one goes down even smoother. And I I I think by that point I will be as uh, as, as numb to politics as I think you want exactly. to be. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So and so as we're good polite gentlemen anyway we never talk politics or religion in sociable company so what would we be talking ah no what the first thing is where are we going to be when we have this conversation well here we are in the thick of the fall season um Mm -hmm. and you know what i miss i miss a good english rain i really do wow Um, and (laughs) And so I, yeah, I know, I know for you, I know for me here in Southern California, um, uh-huh. it is, uh, you know, we don't get rain here like that. And so, no. and, and we really haven't, um, gotten, you know, any rain of measurable quantity, um, mm-hmm. since really February. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I miss, you know, sort of that nice sound of rain on the roof. Yeah. And so I think we have to go somewhere in the English countryside. And I would leave it to you to direct us to the right place, but not London per se, but the English countryside no. somewhere. I think we need to be listening to it rain and, and, and sort of sitting in a, in front of a warm fire um, and, and just drinking and not talking about politics. I think if we were on the mainland and you want rain, I think Wales is the place to be. Yeah, I okay. think there's some, there's I, some very, I have, not, I have never been to Wales and I, really? I would love to go. Yeah, yeah. There's part, parts of Wales are just beautiful. Um, uh, in in the mid Wales with the valleys and the lakes and the rain. <laughs> yeah. That that was um, that was where I spent a lot of my childhood holidays. <laughs> so quite, Is it Wales? Yeah, yeah. We my my parents are big fans of the walking and the the waterfalls and the lakes and all that kind of good stuff so i'm very familiar with that and i'm very familiar with doing all those things in the rain (laughs) there you there we go (laughs) so that sounds that sounds wonderful so we're tucked away in a nice in a nice uh, bar uh drinking neat liquor (laughs) trying to avoid the politics what um are we what are we actually going to talk about then robert well you know it's something that it came up the other day uh, for me, and I and, and it was it was interesting. I was talking with a a, a a client, and it's this idea that we often can't see success for the failure. Um, and and what I mean by that is is what you know. There's this question we often ask ourselves, right? Like, how? Here's an example. How many visitors to our content will be enough to provide the ROI, right? And so you're probably going, all right, well, what do you mean? What, what goals, what, who is it that's visiting? Which content was it? Our website, our blog, our sales sheet, what, and the answer to those are, you can't answer it, right? You can, you, even if I tell you the right visitor, the right content, the current goals, you still don't know 
the exact answer to that question of how many will be enough because you only understand the conditions as they exist today, right? In other words, well, if, even if you know that the right visitor is this and the right content is that and this is the current goal, well, how much is it going to cost those visitors tomorrow versus today? Will the, does it stay, you know, does the conversion rate stay the same? Will, will next month's visitors? And so what we end up with is sort of in those overwhelming sort of moments is answering more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. The answer is more. I need more yeah. than it is today. And, yeah. you know, it reminds me very much of, um, you know, and I've, I've even, um, I even called it this uh, when I talked to my client, which is I called it the Yahoo effect, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, Yahoo, um, you know, whatever it was for, let's call it four years ago, eh, it's 2016, mm -hmm. right? 2015, mm -hmm. 2016. And so during that time, that's when um, uh, Marissa Meyer was the CEO. And yeah. so they made this big bet, this big content marketing bet, right? Um, and basically they launched these digital magazines and they, yeah. they brought in all these heavy hitter journalists. You know, they had David Pogue, um, they had this fashion styles guy, you know, guru. And basically in less than a year, the Yahoo grew those seven magazines um, to and, and one of them, the parenting magazine, had 17 million unique visitors per month, right? Five of seven had more than 10 million unique visitors per month. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? They shut them all down. And wow. and so, right, if I, if I came to you and I said, yes. here's what I'm going to give you, Ian, <laughs> today. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. give you a digital magazine. I'm going to give yeah. you tech editor David Pogue. To, yeah. from, he's from the Wall Street Journal, obviously, and you know, he's yeah. been around a million years. I'm going to give yeah. you David Pope to be the editor of it. Um, I'm going to give you proper writers and journalists. I'm going to give you yeah. technology to run it. I'm going to give you 17 million unique visitors per month. Mm -hmm. um, you think you can make a go of that? You think you could make yeah. a business out of that? Yeah. And your answer is like, of course I can. Well, they couldn't. Yeah. And why not? And the reason is because at the time, Yahoo was getting 180 million uniques. Per month, right? And so they looked at that and said, "How many do we need?" Well, we need more, because yeah. quite frankly, we can't sell advertising against such a you know such a a, a, a small number. Wow. And of course, in hindsight, we go, "That's ridiculous." Mm. You should have just right sized that business. You should have figured out what you were doing with those audiences. You should have figured out, you know, there yeah. were so many opportunities that you missed. But in the real time, our answer is, we don't know enough about the future. All we can do is measure ourselves against today, and it feels mm -hmm. like we need. And mm -hmm. my client was looking at exactly that when I said, when we started talking about their business and I said, what's going on in your business? And he said, well, we've got this wonderful blog and we're getting about a hundred thousand visitors per month. Um, and I said, okay, tell me what the problem is. Cause I don't see a problem. And he said, well, you know, our website gets millions of views and I'm like, all right, but that's different. You know, you're a B2C company and you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You're well known in the marketplace and all of that. Yeah. I said, your blog's getting 100,000. I said, what, what's happening with those visitors? Well, nothing really. We're only converting a few of them to subscribers and we're only converting a few of them over to traffic to our shopping e-commerce site, blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, well, what do you, what is your, what do you think the problem is? And he said, well, we just need more. We need more audiences. We need, you know, I need, I don't know what yeah. you need to advertise. I said, no. I said, you've got a, I said, you've got a much more interesting challenge, which is what are you doing with the 100,000 that you're getting? Yes. Yes. Why are you not doing it? And he's like, oh, right. 
And the only reason he couldn't see that wasn't because he's not a smart guy, because he was a really smart guy. But the reason he couldn't Mm -hmm. see that is because when he compares it to what he knows today, which is having a million visitors to their e-commerce site, 100,000 doesn't sound like a lot. And so you go, I need more. I I, I don't know what I need, but I need more. Because if I get more, then I'll win. And, And that's the mistake. And it's such a classic mistake that I see, which is how many do we need is 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 not the answer isn't more necessarily it might be more but we need to look mm-hmm. deeper and, and and further into that. Oh, that, that i love that i love that because i think it also applies not just to your you know big b2c client it applies to what we do on social media as individuals doesn't it it's like what does success look like when you start your blog or start this podcast or you know what does success look like for me for rockstar cmo and um and you're always te- suck it into this hustle culture that it has to be more but maybe it doesn't have to be more maybe you just serve the the audience that you have really well and you get a much deeper engagement and, and that's actually the more yes that's exactly right i mean and yeah. it's basically understanding what success looks like you said it very yeah. well right it's really yeah. understanding what does success look like yeah and and shooting for that rather than just assuming that it needs to look like everything else in its category right yeah and that yeah. we can we can get caught in that trap because yeah. we 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 compare ourselves to ourselves and yeah. others that we can see that are corollaries right yeah and you know for us that have blogs or for us that have podcasts we, you know mm-hmm. we look at we look at success and we go ah it's joe rogan right you know joe yeah. rogan Yes, making a hundred million dollars um, in you know in, you know as a as a podcaster and audiences of millions, et cetera, et cetera. That was mm-hmm. success for him, but mm-hmm. success for us as a podcaster, maybe just quite frankly, getting one sponsor who can fund this thing in a way that doesn't make me go broke. You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, I, I love doing it, right? Uh, and yeah, I, I'm at the I'm at the about that success. Yeah, I'm at the level of um, it gives me an excuse to talk to interesting people. <laughs> I've not gone much further than that at the moment with my uh, with my goals. It could be a perfectly monetizable goal. Right? It absolutely could be a perfectly monetizable goal because it could do think- other things. This is what Jay Bear used to talk about. He used yeah. to talk about his podcast serving as a, a business development tool, as he yeah. said, interview your potential customers. Yeah. He yeah, said, no, you know, that, his that, whole goal with his podcast was to go out and interview potential clients and yeah. basically interview them and hear what made them tick and become connected with them in a way yeah. that made them want to become a client. Yeah, I should give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> what uh, the whole monetization <laughs> thing, like thinking about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or planning stuff. Um, what yeah. was, um, uh, and I, I was actually having a conversation with, um, with, some, with a, a client I've started advising, and they were talking about this in, in terms of their pipeline as well, in terms of the top of funnel. And you know how those conversations go. They just think they need more in the top of funnel. And then you talk to them about, well, what do you actually need at the bottom of the funnel? How many people do you actually need to convert to? you know, to, to become part of your community, to become buyer, to become, and they're like, oh, we just need this. I'm like, well, then you don't actually need that right. many. You just need more of these people to be engaged. So find that tribe. Don't just try and be something to everybody because those That's people right. will never convert. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, yeah. and, it, it is, and it's often the trap that we fall into when we have a, blog that starts to work or a publication that starts yeah. to work 
starts to get some traffic from the right audience and then somebody goes, oh my God, well, if it works for this audience, we should expand it out to this other audience and this other audience. Now all of a sudden you're trying to address three or four audiences with the same publication and all of a sudden it doesn't work for anybody, right? No. That's right. That's right. And you, you just, um, it's, and it's like any artist, isn't it? When they try and become commercial, um, they, they lose a bit of their art. And it's a little bit like that, isn't it? If you start change, chasing the number, then you're going to become a popularist. And when you become popularist, you're of interest to fewer people, really, aren't you? Yeah. I, th- you know, I, I think that's largely true. I think mm-hmm. there are ways to, you know, there are ways, I believe, and it's it's I, and, and I'm, I'm literally thinking about this in real time. Uh, mm-hmm. but the the it feels like how about that that there mm-hmm. are ways that you can become popularist, but also uh, maintain a certain level of unique um, voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, to put it into the movie sort of business, you know, there are ways that you can start out making art films and ultimately become Steven Spielberg without, you know, without losing your identity, I guess. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah. and, and I think, you know, what people, you know, directors or storytellers, if you think like a Steven Spielberg or George Lucas or, you know, anybody who would be considered making sort of the pop music of movies or the pop music of whatever, or the pop music of pop music, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think there's a way to retain your voice and not look like, quote unquote, a sellout or mm-hmm. not lose your your success by, by expanding out to a wider and wider mm-hmm. audience. You just have to figure out a very distinct voice within that wider audience. And that's the hard part, right? I mean, yeah. Spielberg is really difficult because he's enormously talented at that popularized yeah. voice. That's, that's a good point. And it also, I mean, the point I was thinking about there about becoming distinct and becoming different, I think you've talked about this before, is that in order to do that, you need to be prepared that other people won't like you. To that's be right. really liked, then you need to be prepared for the fact that people won't like you. Well, and that's but staying that true to really the voice, work. right? Yeah, that's staying true to the voice. Yeah, but that doesn't really work in the Steven Spielberg model because we all, I mean, there's very few people on this planet that don't like what he does, right? So, <laughs> kind yeah, well, but there are, right? There are yeah. people who think he's a hack and think that, you know, his movies yeah. are too sugary sweet and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and don't like his movies as a result of that, you know. And yeah, it's true. And look at something like E.T. Or, yeah. you know, or, or Close Encounters and go, oh, it should have been this kind of movie, you know, or Jurassic Park yeah. and say, oh, it didn't meet the darkness of the novel. You know, the novel was so much oh, more yeah. dark. True. and realistic and he's you know he made sort of the theme park ride of that and it's like yeah he did that's yeah. he has a voice and he used it and too bad yeah. he didn't like it yeah no that's a really good point that's a really good point and um so that's fantastic thank you very much um we um we've i forgot to ask you again I, we do this every week right and i've got it completely wrong this time around in terms of the order of things um what was it we were drinking again <laughs> because I didn't ask you to name the drink again. I told you it was the double double, and double, you've, double, uh, you've already you've already met the requirements of the double double. Which <laughs> so, forget about what the hell you were thinking about. Yeah, <laughs> the double double, and um, and oh yes, of course. And you've spent the week this week in the virtual world of content marketing world. How did your did keynote indeed. go? Yes, yes, we had a wonderful event. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I mean. I, I would be, I would not be 
truthful if I didn't say I missed the physical event and yeah. the virtual event was everything the physical. It wasn't. I mean, the virtual yeah. event was the virtual event, and yeah. you know, I I absolutely missed the physical experience, and I don't yeah. believe that there's anything that's going to replace that. No. Um, and you know, so in the future, does that look like a hybrid thing? Maybe. Mm. Um, I, I kind, you know, if I'm again honest, I don't care. I don't, I don't care that much about the hybrid thing. What I care about is the, it is a one physical experience that I truly yeah. value in my life, yeah. and I miss it. I, I miss, yeah. you know, I miss, I miss being in London. I miss being in Amsterdam. I miss yeah. being in Ireland. I miss being in New York. I miss being in Cleveland. Yeah, and yeah. Seeing people that I love and seeing people that I respect and listening to them and getting to interact and have that human connection and yeah. you know. Virtual is great, and it has. Yeah. There's definitely a place for it, and there's absolutely a value in it, but yeah. it's not the same. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I, I, and I think um, if I point my listeners to it was a couple of episodes ago where you and Joe were reminiscing about um, content, your experiences at Content Marketing World, and they're 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 all so wonderfully poignant, and they're that you couldn't do that virtually. You know, when you were talking about when Joe was talking about walking out on stage the first time and. You know, there was a tear in his eye and stuff like that. I, I, I guess you don't get that on Zoom. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, Ian, two <laughs> years ago when I clicked on the new meeting in Zoom and saw your face for the first time, it was it was truly like magic to see to see me to to tell you that you were on mute and to, ask you to unmute yourself. I, I I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the memories for our children that we shall share in future exactly. podcasts. <laughs> oh, that time you're on mute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Thank you, and congratulations on a great event this week. Thank and you. Um, when uh, and I think you can people can still catch up with it, can't they? Can they if they if they were registered, they can still watch some of the videos yeah, and stuff yeah, from the event. The one yeah. thing about the virtual thing is is that it lasts, yeah. right? Yeah, we are. Um, we are. We are making the content available for six months to those who wow, register cool. the event. Yeah. So there's lots to binge watch and and lots to yeah. uh, go through from workshops to to sessions to the keynotes and and everything in between. Splendid, and that's on contentmarketingworld.com. That's correct. All right. And what if people want to hear more from you, Robert? And they spin the dial on the interwebs. Where yeah. would they find you? Already. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're a glutton for punishment and want to, <laughs> want, to uh, want to hear more from me, um, you know, social media, you can always get me at uh, Robert underscore dot Rose on the uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can yeah. find me with a search, and of course, the website is contentadvisory.net. That's splendid. Thank you very much, Robert. And will I see you in the bar next week? You will, I'm sure. Or <laughs> <laughs> you will. Thank you very much, Robert. Of Speak course. to you soon, mate. Cheers. Thanks again to Robert. So that's a wrap on episode 32 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Grant for the conversation, to Robert for the inspiring cocktail, and to the wonderful bloggers that have nourished my mornings this week. I will, of course, include links to Robert and Grant in the show notes that you can find at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. 
But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like my guests, please give them a mention, click their links, follow them and take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time. So please show them some love and tell them I sent you. So does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I would love to know what you think. Drop us some feedback, a review, subscribe, share, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I again use this podcast as an excuse to grab a conversation with someone I found interesting, and I take a trip, virtual of course, into London agency land, as I have a chat with Sabrina Chavans, founder of Complex Creative, who was inducted to Mensa at five, has degrees in medicine and economics, and I think my first question will be, why marketing? And I will again, hopefully, find my friend Robert Rose in our virtual Rockstar CMO bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of rockstarcmo.com, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.